you know, right now I shaved in the mirror. I'm shaving, but when my four-year-old son is staring at me, I have to hide that from him. Because although it's going to be a very useful tool for him in the future, if he got a hold of it today, it will damage him. A lot of it is true for us. The thing that God will be blessing you with in the future is going to be amazing. And the way he's going to lead you is going to be powerful and impactful. But if you get a hold of it too quick, you're going to cut yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to end up leading yourself in a way that God never intended for you to be. If you don't understand the purpose of something, all you can do is misuse it. Okay? You have to understand the purpose of what God is laying before you in order for you to be able to use it properly. If he lays it before you too early. So you would think that if God were your travel agent, he would know the shortest terrain to Palestine. You would think that he could divide the Red Sea, a more direct and painless route to the promised land would have come at a snap of his finger. But there's clearly something here. Now, that, that just because the people, he leads them into the wilderness. And, and, and we think that there's something good that is happening here. I'm going to read a, a pretty extensive quote from John Piper here that he explains this. And, and hang in there with me because it's, it's kind of wordy, but I think it's powerful. He said, the prosperity of the promised land is so dangerous to our souls that only the recollection of some sobering wilderness weaknesses and wonders will pert, trim, prune the river of our self-sufficiency and pride from flooding our lives and drowning our faith. It's only through a process of some sort of wilderness that you'll get to appreciate the many blessings that you have been given by God. It's only through that difficult season of life that you're, you'll be able to stand on the other side and say, man, God really came through and did something powerful. I was looking at the definition of the word wilderness, and it's like, it's an uninhabited place, but in parentheses, it said uncultivated people, uncultivated people. You know that the meaning of the word Israel is actually struggles with God? The word Israel means struggles with God. Our problem with our wilderness is not the wilderness itself. We love the wild. I love the zoo. You're like, that has nothing to do with what you're saying. I know, that's why I'm saying it. No. It has nothing to do with that because on that environment, we think that environment is beautiful when it's controlled. When it's not affecting us, we think it's okay. Have you noticed that? I love walking in the zoo and looking at the tigers and wow, that's beautiful. But if I'm in there with the tigers, it's a completely different story. The beauty disappears instantly. The truth is, like, we're a group of people like Israel who know it all but have much to learn. We have a lot to learn. We cannot become strong in Christ or Christ becomes strong in us until we realize how weak we are. When it comes to our relationship with God, I've told myself all my life, I will follow and serve, never lead. God leads. But instead, we have chosen this route of questioning and complaining. We wake up in the morning with this half-empty attitude, glass half-empty attitude, and we look at life through the scope. We have spent most of our time complaining in the wilderness instead of finding out whatever beauty of it we can get out of it. One of, one of the saddest things I, I, have, I have a hard time seeing is seeing someone complaining today about something they will miss tomorrow. Have you noticed that? 
people that, that, that just complain about something, complain about something. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship. Oh my gosh, this person, oh, this, they're driving me insane. I can't believe this. This is just not going to work out. This is just not working out. And as soon as the person leaves their life, they're like, I miss them. You're complaining about something in your life and you end up missing it later. We see people of Israel go through the wilderness and, 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 and seeing this, the, you know, struggling with seeing the glass half full, overwhelmed by the simple moments that they experienced in the wilderness, not understanding what God was teaching them throughout. And they begin to complain. So if you're a complainer in the room, we're going to talk about three complaints. So you're going to enjoy the sermon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You guys will hang in there. You'll get to know me a little bit. So I'm going to talk about the first complaint. They complain about the water being bitter. I love the fact that the first thing God uses as an example and the first trouble that they had as soon as they left Egypt is bitterness. And we're going to read Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 to 27. It says, then, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved into the desert of Shur. And they travel in, the, in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Merah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a, a piece of wood. Moses threw it in the water, and it made the water good to drink. It was there at Merah that the Lord set before them the following decrees as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, you will, your God, and do what is right in the side and obey his commands and keep all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is a healing teaching here, that he is our ultimate healer. After leaving Merah, the Israelites travel on the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. It took the people of Israel three days of a bad experience to get bitter about something. They walked for three days and, and, and they struggled with this bad experience. Because of the danger of dealing with something for so long has the tendency to create some sort of bitterness. I tell the couples that I sometimes meet with and talk to all the time is I tell them, if you're going to be able to hold it in, Hold it in, but keep it forever. If you're married in the room, you know it's true. You, you hold that thing in thinking you're going to be able to overcome this thing on your own. And your spouse doesn't need to know, but eventually there's a bitterness that develops there and you end up blowing up one day for no reason. You know, it's the same tendency that we tend to have. The definition of the word bitterness means anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment. As a believer, an attitude of bitterness always, I, I want you to zone in on this. An attitude of bitterness always reflects a lack of forgiveness awareness. Because once you experience true forgiveness, you realize that forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. You following me here? Your past will never change. Forgive and you can experience true forgiveness. You may be too caught up in how unfair you were treated. And God is saying, let go and obey. I am the Lord who can heal you. There may be a season of life that you're just bitter for the outcome of what took place. It maybe had nothing to do with another individual. 
But when we take worship, for instance, we, when we worship, we bring forth that awareness that if it were not for his touch, we would still be broken, beaten, bitter. Instead, we realize that God could give us refreshing water, that he could give us a healing touch, that he could give us a new home. It says that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Be sure that in life, in every relationship, bitterness remains absent. Don't allow yourself to get so caught up by the difficulties that you face through other people or whatever the scenario might be that you end up missing out on what God has in store for you. The second complaint, the second complaint. They said we will starve to death. Anybody hungry? I'm just kidding. Exodus 16, 1 to 3, it says, Then the whole community of Israel set out to Elam and journey into the wilderness of Sin, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving Egypt, the, the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Listen to this. They complained about them, not to them. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There, were, they, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. They forgot all about the slavery part. But now you have brought us to this wilderness to starve us all to death. The Israelites complain against Moses for the third time. One of the, the things my dad always taught me. And he always drilled this in my head, okay? He's a pastor here in, in South Charlotte. And he, he always drilled this in my head, Ephesians 6, 12, Moises. For we, we are now fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. He would tell me, Moises, I remember like today, I can picture it. He would sit there. It's not that person in front of you. It's not that person in front of you. It's not, it's not, but it's against evil rulers and authorities and of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You may think that it's the person in front of you keeping you away from the blessing that God has in store. That is, that is, that is the Moses and Aaron that don't understand that we're, we're sitting here and we're going to starve to death and we need, we need food to eat. No, no, it's not that person. We're in a bigger battle here. If, if you hate someone or something so much that they inspire you to act out of character, guess what, my friends? They are winning. They have control over your life. If a person is able to look at you, say something to you in a certain way that it requires you to act a different way in your life, they are winning. They control you. You have given them the right over your life. I saw a guy, I, 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 I ran a stop sign by mistake. It's confession time. Here we go. I, I didn't see a car. It, it was, I was pulling my trailer. So it's hard. You know, it's heavy. I'm trying not to slam on the brakes. I looked to my left. I didn't see him. Okay, I'm getting old. It happens, all right? I, I didn't see the car. He wasn't, he wasn't that close. He was kind of far away. So I, I kind of idled through, you know, and kept, you know, rolled through. It wasn't like I just sped up through the stop sign. I just didn't fully stop. And I could see the guy behind me, pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's angry. All right? And I look again, and he's still pointing at me. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I, I'm pretty sure it means that you're upset at me. And he's pointing at me. So I just, I literally uh, put, put, put my signal up and moved over to the side and parked. Just let him through, you know? And he's thinking like, 
He's thinking, we're going to fight or something. I'm like, no, no, I'm not pulling over to get out of the car. Like, hey, buddy, what's up? No, no. I'm just literally like, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. We didn't have the opportunity to talk. Like, I'm so sorry. Just go. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the, the verse 7, it says, In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints. You know, I, I, I was reading this and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. I don't ever want God to tell me, Moises, I've heard your complaints. And in a lot of ways, we come to God with our life story, and we're constantly in this scenario where we're providing these kind of complaints to God. And he says, the Lord has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. The truth of the matter is, friends, is that it's God allowing the wilderness to take place in your life for one way or another. For one reason or another, things are happening the way they're happening because he has a purpose that goes beyond what we can understand and see. We have to base our faith on that and allow God to work something new. Paul is warning us in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. He says, don't grumble like they did. A lot of times we get caught up in not having enough. We're going to starve. I need more God, and I need more God, and I need more God. When I used to have a youth group, I would write down in the, in the, in the board, I would say, if you had a million dollars, and I would do this exercise with them, what would you do? They're like, I would buy this. Okay, what else? Okay, what else? Okay, what else? And I, I kept just pressing the, the, the line of what is enough. You, you do realize that we all have exactly what we need. You're breathing right now. We're all alive. We have exactly what we need. Here in this country, we, we don't need more stuff. The storage unit industry is a $38 billion industry in the U.S. Taking up 2.3 billion square feet. I did this little math and I found it so interesting. That's enough space for every single American to, to have over seven square feet to themselves in just storage units. I know that's not a lot, right? But it's, it's the principle of it. We could house an entire nation in storage units. Think about that. When was the last time your car slept in the garage? Right? Because because we, we, we have enough. We have enough. It, it, it's amazing how God always steps up. He, he gives us more than we need. Have you realized that? He goes out of his way. In, in verse 16, we, we, see them, we see God solving the issue by giving them manna. But the Bible says that he gave them quail to satisfy them. All they needed was manna. And God threw in the quail to satisfy. God can spread the table in the wilderness. You can't forget about what God has done in your life. Do you trust God that he will provide? If you do, then trust God that he will provide. That he has been faithful to you to this moment and he will continue to be faithful to you. You know what the third complaint was? That we're thirsty again. (laughs) 
like a chapter later. It's funny because we sit here today and we're like, these people. <laughs> you know? But I, I have a feeling that we would do the same exact thing. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 to 7, it says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from, a place, to a, from place to place. Eventually, they camped, out, they camped out at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. I wonder if some of these tests, I think some of these tests were for Moses, not the people. He said, why, why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you use when you struck the waters of the Nile and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the, on the, the rock of Mount Sinai, strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as, they, as he was told and water gushed out and the elders looked on. Moses named the place Meza, which means test, Meribah, which means arguing because the people of Israel argue with Moses and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord here with us or not? I mean, we're talking about a group of people who experience miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, just like you and I do. You and I experience miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. If you are a believer in Christ, I firmly stand here, even if I don't know you, I believe that you've experienced miracle after miracle after miracle in your life even through the wilderness. They end up complaining again about needing water. It's funny because God finds a place for them to camp out that didn't have any water. Did you catch that? In the first verse, he finds up a place for them to camp out, which included water. This next place that they go to, they camp out, and there's no water for them to drink. It's almost like God knew the details, right? You know, I, in, in the New Testament, the rock is identified with Jesus. He's the true source of living water. Just like the rock struck, Christ was struck with death on the cross for us. Christ was ultimately the source of Israel's blessing and provision. The same is true for us today. He is our rock. He is our living water. Sometimes it's more about the why than the what. In our lives. It's more about the lessons we learned than the experiences that we're living. You know, many times crises only serve to reveal the genuine people's faith and what they, they truly believe. Mark Twain said it like this. I knew a man who grabbed the tail of a cat. And he learned 40% more about the cat than the person who didn't. He said, if, if we grab the cat by the tail in life. You will learn more and have the scars to prove it. You know, you, you never know the season in life that God is calling you into. The, the wilderness is a boot camp for all of us. It's been said that the real testing grounds of life is the promise, 
land of prosperity. So the wilderness is God's gracious vaccination against the infection of our personal prosperity. Moses breaks it down in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to kind of close with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 to, to 18, it gives an explanation of why the people of Israel went through the wilderness. He sums it all up in this verse. He said, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that you're in your plenty. You do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at the time and forget that the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt, do not forget that, you, that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with the poisonous snakes and the scorpions. When it was, it was so hot and dry, he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. You're like, Moses, what good? He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth. On my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed with your ancestors with an oath. I could have preached this entire sermon on just that verse. On that passage in scripture. We could have summed it up into that idea. That wilderness 101 is deflating the human ego. In the wilderness, we are stripped of all the devices which gives ourselves the impression of some sort of self-sufficient. Like we've made it on our own or we've done it. We are that great. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's powerful to say this, but it, if you have found yourself in the wilderness, God is trying to teach you something, something you haven't. Learn to understand. David said in Psalms 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you you will live safely in a land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiant, radiate like the dawn. And, and, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. I love the idea that every time the Bible talks about us understanding our God and getting to know him better, he's asking us to be stilled. We, we think the opposite. We build a relationship in God by doing more. In order for me to build my relationship with God, I need to pray more. I need to read more. I need to be better. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. And and God said, be still and know that I am God. Be still. When was the last time you were stilled about something and just waited patiently on God to do something? This question is, do you have faith? The question is, what do you have faith in? There are moments in your life that will not be explained. One of the most traumatic calls I've ever got in my, in my life is when I was headed to a kids' ministry event and my brother called me from Virginia and said to myself, they are, all I could hear on the phone is him saying, they are dead, they are dead, they are dead. And I'm, doing, I'm going to do kids' ministry. My wife and I were engaged. He's literally telling me on the phone, my brother Eddie in the back, Eddie, I'm sorry, this is your story to tell. I don't, they are dead, they are dead, they are dead. And, and his wife, 
and his one-year-old daughter, my first niece, who was going to be a flower girl in our wedding, had flipped over on I-95 over seven times. Her mother, her, the, my niece, everybody passed away. And I get in my car, and I just drive up, and I tell myself, why in the world will this happen? How do we explain the wilderness that we can't comprehend? The seasons in life that we experience. What words do I say to my brother when I got up there to Virginia and he's sitting in the curb at a, at a Burger King, just sitting there, crying? What do I say to him? God's got a purpose for your life. There are times of wilderness in our life where we're not going to be able to explain it. Seasons in our life where we're going to look at ourselves and say, what happened here? How do we overcome this? And somehow, in some way, we have to look deep inside. We have to search deep within us and say, there is a purpose-driven God who is guiding my life. There is some sort of outcome that's meant to be, li to be lived outside of this. So who do you have your faith in? If life is wild, who do you have your faith in? Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. God, we, we come to you understanding fully, God, that there are seasons in our lives we cannot begin to comprehend or, or, or understand. There are moments that are so difficult that we may seem like, it may seem to us like they compare to no other. God, we're, we, we don't want to be complainers or, or whine about the journey. God, you, you guide us in ways that, that, that we don't understand. Sometimes we know what we think we know was best for us. God, I just pray, God, that you would give us a foundation that is strong. So what we have to face today and tomorrow, Lord, would become easy. Because of the foundation that we have in you, God. Help us, God, to be people of faith in a way, Lord, that even those things we can't comprehend and understand seem understandable, knowing that you're in full control of our lives from beginning to end. God, help us. Help us not to fail you in our faithfulness as we experience life, as we experience journeys that may take, take us through roads that we never imagined possible. Lord, we love you. And we are so thankful for everything that you're doing in our lives. I pray for purpose-driven lives in this place this morning. For your truth, for your path, for your way to be clear to us. For you to create light in the middle of the darkness. So that we may see your power and glorify you for it, God. I love you, God, and I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. Can you give God praise this morning? Well, I was ready for that, but I'm in tissue now. Um, thank you so much. Good morning, church. Um, if I haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet, my name is Rosie. I'm Pastor Moise's wife. And what a good word. Um, I mean, I know that's biased, but, uh, <laughs> but it was good. God spoke to my life. And uh, let this, let's 
um, meet again. You know, we want to see you again. We're so thankful that you're uh, making the choice to come here and worship with us every Sunday. But we also can get to see you one more day of the week, which is on Fridays. On, fa on Friday, we do, we're doing this thing where we call it a family night, family dinner. So as you know, this, this is not set up like this every, uh, every day of the week. This is, we're in the school. So on Fridays, we come here at 4 o'clock. Set every chair, everything that you see around here that makes it look like a church, that's what we do on Friday nights. But right after that, we actually have dinner together at 6 o'clock. So if you say, Rosie, you know what, I'm not down for, you know, for the 4 o'clock, I'm, I'm busy, I work. Um, don't, don't feel bad, just come in and have dinner with us. 6 o'clock every Friday, you'll find us here. Um, we're trying to build a community, so because today I may get to, we may get to talk to each other for just for a brief second, but on Fridays we get to really get to know you and you get to know us as well. So if you haven't yet, stop by the Welcome Center right there at the front, give us your name, give us your email address, and we'll send you the, uh, the sign-up um, email so that you can tell us, hey, I'm coming so that we have food for you. So don't show up, up, don't show up unannounced because then we won't have anything. No, just kidding. <laughs> we always have extras. Uh, but let us know that you're coming so that we can prepare ahead. Uh, but thank you so much for being here again. Um, let's just bow our heads really quick and just pray so that we can, um, God can use us this week. Father, we thank you so much for the word that you've given us today, Lord. Uh, help us as we get out of this place and out of this uh, place where you, we have felt your presence and your Holy Spirit today, that we can go out there, God, and learn everything that we learned this morning. Let us apply it in our daily lives, God, so that we can be a light in a world of darkness, God. Thank you so much, and we, we praise you, we honor you, and we adore you, Lord, in your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God, uh, God bless you all. See you next Sunday. See you Friday first, then next Sunday. Have a good Sunday.